If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dame Doria Cordova, also known as DC. She is the owner of Accelerated Business Schools, Money and You, the organization that brought to the world the entrepreneurial, experiential, and transformational education programs since 1979, with over 200,000 graduates from over 85 countries, including Forbes Riley, Tony Robbins, and Robert Kiyosaki. She is a global business developer for organizations that are in alignment with her purpose to uplift humanity's consciousness through socially responsible businesses. Doria is a humanitarian philanthropist, including developing her own foundation, the Doria Cordova Foundation. She's also a best-selling author and has been in countless events, shows, films, and book series. Welcome, Doria. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yes, I'm so happy to be interviewing you. You know, I have to tell you that I manifested this interview with you and I I reached out to you maybe a year ago. And I think what happened was my frequency or my vibration was not in alignment yet with you because it didn't work out. And so I was kind of thinking about that, how it just like easily flowed into this. And, uh, so I'm just like really excited because I always knew you are in alignment with my philosophy and my website is unlock your true abundance and, and Zen success, defining your own success. So I just, I can't wait to learn all about you and your story. So first tell me a little bit about yourself and where you grew up. I grew up in Chile. I was um, in Santiago and literally lived in a beautiful um, it's almost, it was almost like a village. Everybody knew everybody. And, uh, and then my mother uh, married a gentleman who had lost his family's fortune. He was an entrepreneur, very successful. And when he did, at that time, the United States had a calling for immigrants to come and work here. And so he did. And then uh, about a year and a half later, we came along. So I arrived in the United States in 1962. I was a typical teenager in Los Angeles, California. And how and, old were you uh, when you moved here? I was 12. Oh, 12. I was 12 years old. Oh, cool. And then, and then you know, grew up regular. And then when I was 18, I had some tragedies occur. Uh, my awakening into adult life was pretty rough. I was going to be married. In 1968, you got married at 18, you know? And, yeah. uh, and yeah. I was going to be married and I, my boyfriend was killed. My fiance was killed in a car accident, wow. but it wasn't really an accident. He, he, he was a very naughty young man. He used drugs and was a bit of a criminal. It was interesting now that I look back mm. and, 
but I, you know, when you're 18 and you're in love, it's a horrific experience. And, and I didn't know that I was pregnant when he died. And uh, four months later, I lost his baby and he was there by then, you know, I was just, I just shut down and, um, and I became a workaholic. So I worked very hard. I grew up in a family that trained me to being very successful. I was programmed, wired to being successful. And by the time I was 24 years old, I was um, already in the legal system. I first was an assistant legal secretary. Then I was an interpreter in Spanish and English. And then I became an official court reporter in the criminal court systems of Los Angeles. So I really grew up in the legal system. I was in the legal system for eight years. And through a series of circumstances, I literally moved to Hawaii, running away from Los Angeles. And when I was 26 years old, I had an enlightenment experience. And this experience literally communicated the essence of, I did not put you on planet earth for you to be a party girl. You have a job, <laughs> you know, it was the seventies. And I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea that I had a job. I it was like, what, what do you mean? I have a job. I already have a job. I'm like, <laughs> and, um, and so I was confused and through another series of circumstances, I mean, each story would last an hour. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and I ended up going to the est training and S was the predecessor of landmark education. Are you familiar with landmark? I'm familiar with landmark and I've also heard of S, but just for our audience, can you explain a little bit about that? Yes. S was the first major big human potential program. And it was not taken very seriously by the world, even though now it shows, you know, 45, 46 years later, that it was one of the biggest success stories because it literally created an, uh, a social change, social impact. It's being recognized right now. You can actually see Werner Erhard, the creator of it, in YouTube. And he is being acknowledged by some very serious uh, circles, including top universities, top psychologists, and psychiatrists that are seeing that the S training did have a huge impact, mainly because so many of us had such a profound transformation in our lives and committed our lives to the betterment of humanity, you know, eradicating hunger, changing educational systems like I did, but I'm one of millions. So it created social change where at the time it was like, you know, being made fun for some of the basic things, like you couldn't just get up and go to the bathroom or, you know, and it was actually teaching you discipline. It was like, a, it was like a boot camp experience, which personally I needed because I was a bit of a, of a tough girl mm -hmm. and I needed somebody to kind of shake me and go, Hey, you know, snap out of it. You know, you really are a magnificent human being, get to work. And, um, so shortly after um, uh, doing the S training, I became very committed to their work. I was volunteering and the hunger project was created. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to be in the presence of Buckminster Fuller. And mm -hmm. are you familiar with Buckminster Fuller? Yeah, yeah. I I've heard uh, Mark Victor Hansen talk about him very fondly. 
Yeah. I interviewed Mark Victor Hansen on my program and yeah, he talked about learning from him. Well, but, uh, you know, Mark Victor Hanson is one of our VIP money and you graduates. He mm -hmm. and Jack Canfield, the co-creators of the Chicken Soul for the Soul book. I'm series. not surprised. <laughs> Amazing. But he, he actually, you know, they have sold almost 800 mil, million books. You know, it, it was written by, you know, Chicken Soul for the Soul, Chicken Soul for the, you know, for the firemen, Chicken Soup yeah. for the black women. Yeah. Parents, you name it and like, they have a chicken soup right right and those have such beautiful stories so um <clears throat> just to come back come back to come back mr fuller was yeah. this excuse me i yeah. i shouldn't be drinking my cold drink while i'm trying to talk give me a second okay yeah take your time i drank this really cold shake and it actually freezes your vocal cords not a good idea oh oh i didn't i didn't know that but well if, but it's healthy i mean it's a smoothie right oh yes but it's with ice mm -hmm. and when you're talking it's not a good idea oh. to freeze up your vocal cords okay yeah yeah. it's yeah. okay i'm a human i make mistakes <laughs> <laughs> so well, you also need to nourish yourself so i'm glad you're you. taking it yes thank you so i had um you know, I had the opportunity to be able to be profoundly impacted by this gentleman, Buckminster Fuller, who was talking about sufficiency, that by the early 70s, you had more than enough to feed everyone. And it was when I fell in love, when I actually, for the first time in my life, aside from the love that I experienced from my family and my neighbors, I knew that to be true. I knew I was loved and supported mm -hmm. and and just beautifully nur nur nurtured and loved as a child. The next truth was that there was more than enough. Instead of learning about sufficiency from Buckminster Fuller, I joined the Hunger Project and I joined that vision that we were going to eradicate hunger by the year 2000. And that it was an idea whose time had come. That was 23 years away from the year 2000 at the time. We didn't accomplish it, but we made such amazing strides. And I can talk about that for an hour, but I'll just move forward. And well, so it is so fascinating now. Yeah. It is because there's more than enough and you can't move into, you can't move from scarcity to abundance without experiencing sufficiency. Mm. So sufficiency is where is the sweet spot of life because it won't matter what, how much money you have, how very little money you have, because we all know people that have very little money and possibly very little quote unquote stature who actually experience sufficiency. We all have a grandmother, an mm -hmm. uncle, a cousin, you know, you go, why, you know, what do you mean you're just happy with making $60,000 a year mm -hmm. when you could be making a quarter of a million, you could be rich, look how brilliant you are. They go, why? I'm very happy. And they are. And so that's sufficiency. And so we have then, and they're not lazy. We could get into a whole conversation about that. So within a year of meeting back, Mr. Fuller was when my business life, as it is now, really started. I was 28 years old. I had decided to leave the legal system. And, and I had saved a lot of money and had, you know, the freedom to do it. Yeah. And 
I went to the first business school for entrepreneurs of its kind. Yeah. And I found out how much I knew about entrepreneurship, not only from my family, but from being in the court system and being in so many cases. I had I have a very brilliant mind, like everyone else does too. Everyone, yeah. everybody, unless you have been physically damaged mm-hmm. or you are in some kind of handicap situation, mm-hmm. all people are brilliant. Yes. And so Can I, I have, ask you a question about that? Now, yes. did you find did you find that you were looking for something more or you were stressed out as a court reporter? Were, were you wanting to start your own business? Was there something? No hiring you no or what yeah no no what was bothering me was in the criminal court system and why I moved to Hawaii mm-hmm. was that I watch it got cleaned up but just so you know the legal system in the background did you ever see that show called Boston Legal by any chance yeah mm-hmm. you remember how crazy they were remember all the crazy stuff yeah, I, I used to love all those lawyer shows yeah. I love those lawyer shows it watched I, a good fight that, yeah. It is like that. Like it is that. like that. That is so not far from the truth. It mm-hmm. is a total soap opera. It is like mm-hmm. freaking high school. Mm-hmm. You walk down the hallways of the court and, oh, look, there's so-and-so. And you're not popular. You're popular. There was yeah. backstabbing. Yeah. I mean, or it is- she got together with this person. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no, the stories I could tell. I am going to write 50 books once <laughs> I retire. Once hunger is handled. You're going to have the funniest books from me. One of them is going to be about the legal system. DC Confidential. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and part of it had to do with the fact that that I didn't know what the word integrity meant until I started listening to Buckminster Fuller. Okay. But I knew that there was something so horrifically wrong when we were putting people in jail for the same things people were doing. Now, the LAPD was completely cleaned up in 1979, but I was there at the height of when policemen, you know, and people were doing some pretty crazy stuff. It was cleaning people up and, you oh. know, yes, and doing drugs. They had hired a lot of the Vietnam veterans okay. to go into police departments, and many of them were addicted, but they, we didn't know it. Oh, so okay. they were able to maintain their addiction by just kind of stashing away. They were not bad people. Please don't. The, the LAPD, the Los Angeles Police Department, is one of the most integrous police departments probably on the planet. And part of that had to do with how it got cleaned up in 1979. Yeah. But I was there in 74, 75, oh. probably at the height of when it was happening. Yeah. And I got invited to a party that I probably shouldn't have been invited to where I saw things Uh, and just using drugs and things, nothing horrible, but it freaked me out. And I literally ran away to Hawaii because I didn't want to have anything to do with that. I I had tremendous integrity without knowing I had tremendous integrity. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was so courageous. When you think of a 25 year old leaving, leaving her home, then moving to, of course, I moved to beautiful Maui. And so what do you do when you are freaked out and, and you know, and sad and hurt and angry? You go to Hawaii, right? So, <laughs> so just to come back, by the time I got to the, I got to the business school for entrepreneurs, 
I had learned so much, though, the bright side of my legal background. Yeah, because you had quit your job. You had to quit your job to go to Hawaii. Yes. And I got another job as a court reporter there very quickly. I was overqualified. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. Okay. Got it. I understand. So I kept being a court reporter now in the court system of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I was the first court reporter on Maui in 1975. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The, they used to fly them in and I was hired specifically. And I had very long hair, brown hair. I looked totally local. I looked like a local girl. Mm-hmm. I was very dark skinned because uh-huh. I was always, I was sailing all the time. And so I was perfect, except when I spoke. People would say, who are you? Where are you from? You look local. And I'm going, I am Chilean. I am Chilean. But anyway. Just but you also that. have that Hawaiian spirit to you. It, it seems like it's in your heart. Well, I'm actually 46% indigenous. Oh, oh, you, oh okay. In Chile, uh-huh. populated the the, uh, the Pacific Islands. Ah. Uh-huh. And so actually my descendants, no. My ancestors, ancestors. my ancestors went to the Pacific Islands, and those were the people that went to Hawaii. Yeah. So I am partially, we are the same people. Yeah. So that's why when I first went to Hawaii, I recognized it and was fell instantly in love Mm -hmm. with everything, plumerias, palm trees, the beach, and the fact that Hawaii had no snakes. It still doesn't was just heavenly. So I am very much in Ho'oponopono, which I'm a practitioner, not a teacher. I practice it and I include people, um, was part of that, part of my soul, my essence. This Mm -hmm. is something for your listeners to understand. If you begin to be in tune with your spirit, what's gonna happen is you're gonna begin to attract things that are so pleasant and so enjoyable, so pleasurable to you because they resonate with you. Mm. And that's what happened in Hawaii. So just back to my business story. And so in 1978, I attended the first business school for entrepreneurs and the rest is history. I fell in love with the work I knew had been created for me through a series of circumstances. I became an assistant, a promoter, later a partner. And in 1985, July 8th, 1985, I call it, I won my lottery, my my life purpose lottery, because I, I inherited the most magnificent intellectual property for the program Money and You, the Accelerated Business School for Entrepreneurs, Powerful Presentations. Later, Robert Kiyosaki and I created a program called Creating Wealth, when Robert went on to create, you know, his future life, he left that, you know, with me. And so I've inherited beautiful work. And that's what I've been doing for the last 43 years. Wow, that's amazing. Do you feel like you manifested that? Did you ever have a vision in your mind of owning these businesses? Or did you think, what if, what if I could do this? Did you ever think that? No. It was no, just your destiny. <laughs> no, no. It was what I wanted to do was to eradicate hunger. Yeah. I got at 27 in 1977, I got committed to the hunger project. And then I I fell in love with transformational rooms. And then to run into and 
the industry did not exist. The people, Marshall Thurber and Bobby DePorter of supercamp.com, they created the industry of what is called entrepreneurial, experiential, transformational training industry, which many of today's <laughs> people, yes, it, it is. They, that's where they belong in. That's the industry that the true ones. You know, there's a bunch of people that are a little bit of con artists that pretend <laughs> to be transformational and they just want to get, you know, your money in their pockets. And it's my job to bust them. So, <laughs> okay. Another I, I'm, a, I'm a self-made police person. <laughs> Going back to your court reporter days and the legal system. Did you feel like being a court reporter prepared you for taking on this business venture? Yeah. Are you detail oriented? Very, very, but that was my nature. And to answer your question, which I haven't answered yet, it's not so much that I plan to have a big organization and, and make the difference mm. in people's lives. What I wanted to do was to end hunger. And when I attended the first business school for entrepreneurs, I fell madly in love with the learning environment. And I'm a lifelong learner, as is my whole family. So you know, I have an uncle that was a professor at the University of Chile. He was an economist. My mother was self-educated. She didn't go to school and she had to stop. Everybody had to work, you know, in the old days, you know, by the time uh, 1939, 1938, you know, the war was going to start, but she was in Chile and she had to drop out of school to work for the family. People didn't finish high school. People worked. People people had to survive. And so she was self-educated. So I grew up with a mother that books, if you were to look around, my place is filled with books. That's from my uncle, my mama, and entrepreneurs and all that. So I was in love with education. I was in love with transformation. I was in love with experiential learning, which my mentors put on the map, literally with Georgie Lasanov. If people go to moneyandyou.com uh, and you'll have a beautiful link in your in your webpage, mm -hmm. they can yeah, download that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. They'll download the actual a book that I wrote quite a few years ago called The Business Success Model, which is about creating your economic engine around your life purpose. And when you begin to see now my evolution of how I, I now began to see that the more that I did these programs, the ultimate leverage was that these people were going out to make a huge difference in the world, including Tony Robbins, whom we discovered when he was 23 years old and we got him started and everybody around him was a money and you graduate creating his businesses and all that. This was 83. He didn't get famous until Gunther Runker, you know, did the tapes, the cassette tapes and the infomercials wow. in 1989. That's amazing. So he was on TV. Was he one of the first transformational coaches on TV? Well, it was more about neurolinguistic. It oh, and it NLP. was more about mindset, changing states and all that. Uh, transformation and of course that does create transformation yeah but the work we were doing use tools like that but transformational work is when you really get people to go deep and and make the 
own change. And of course, neurolinguistic programming. Of course, Tony has evolved so much. So we're talking about the beginning. We're talking about the 80s now. We're not talking about today because Tony has, his evolution has been beautiful to watch. Mm. And and he uses tools and he uses technology and he's so brilliant. I just love him. And so, and of course, being such a famous Money and You graduate helps, but we have many famous Money and You graduates. So, so I was there it, it just kind of like evolve, but this is important for all your audience to know. When you are clear about your life purpose and you set a mission and you and you create a business around it, you are going to create extraordinary results. It's very simple. It's like baking a cake. For those of you who are really good chefs and cooks and you learn the best spaghetti sauce from your grandmother or the best cookies from your mother and your auntie. Business is exactly the same. And, and it just began the ripple effects or the, the physics name is precessional effects, which is what we teach in Money and You. This particular ripple effects, I began to see that my job was to just keep doing these programs and that was leverage for me. Yeah. So when I look around now in the industry, so many famous, so many people are money and you graduates and come back and either attend the business school or teach at our business school for entrepreneurs. And people will give you a link to the Global Accelerated Business School. And you will see that it's all about solving a major problem. And, and then, you know, I began to just kind of like notice that the precessional effects, the ripple effects were profound. And then that would give me more incentive. And my job was to just keep the business going, staying in integrity, keeping my nose clean. Of course, always doing everything completely legal because I saw a lot of stupid people go to jail for doing stupid things. Yeah. You'll always get caught. There's not a lot of criminals. Of course, you know, there's mafiosis and drug dealers. And there are some really interesting people that get away with it, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. Those are the exceptions. Yeah. So don't break the law. Don't, 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 don't. I mean, trust me when I tell you that most people are not that intelligent. And uh, so I, it, it was putting one foot in front of the other while I was working on myself, but also implementing sound business principles. That's the answer to your question. Mm, I love that. And, I, and I've never heard that before, the processional effect, the ripple effect. I mean, I have heard of the ripple effect, but the, the way you put it, um, yeah, that really makes sense to me. And I have this mission in my heart to heal humanity. And so, and then I have all these other things that go with it. Like I attracted this clothing line and this NFT healing art project and all of these projects and people, and it's just been incredible. So you're really right about getting clear on your purpose. And, um, it's really inspiring. And I want to go back to Tony Robbins. And when he came to your class, did you notice something special? I know he's like really 
a big man, but (laughs) sense of presence and know he was going to be great. He's very special. He was a rock star from the beginning. Mm. And his, um, he has, I can never pronounce it correctly. Indomitable, indomitable Mm -hmm. spirit, you know, cannot be in, how do you say? Cannot be destroyed. I I don't actually. Indomitable. Yes. I think I'm saying it correctly. Yeah. It sounds right. Yeah. Yes. It's this amazing spirit that he had and he was a learner and he allowed for support Mm. and, um, and he was so beautiful in, in, in wanting to make a difference in people's lives. And I think that's what a lot of people, you know, go, oh, Tony Robbins. But when you are around him and you learn from him, you actually can feel, I don't think that's something that you can really fake. And, you know, results speak for themselves. I mean, he got started in 1983. Mm-hmm. That's a long time now. Yeah. And, um, and you know, he's 10 years younger than me. So when I was, he was 23, I was 33. I'm 72. He's 62 now. Mm-hmm. I think he might've turned 63 already. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that part of him doesn't stop. Now he's also an amazing connector and businessman. Yes. So he has created an outrageous wealth by following and doing business and things. And so, and that was his journey and my journey, even though I have created total financial independence and my business is worth a lot. And I, I probably would have been a billionaire had I just spent all my time connecting and doing business, but I have an inherent drive to solve a really big problem, which is hunger and transform educational system. And I, and I, that's where I go into those rabbit holes that give me so much profound, profound satisfaction. And, and, and that's what brings joy and, and gives me strength when I, when I have really tough things happen in life because we are human beings. Mm-hmm. So that has been an, an experiencing sufficiency. Oh, access to cashbook.com. Um, that book is, is still in Amazon and I'm going to be, there's a new version. There's a new printout that's coming out mm-hmm. and, um, and that's going to be in the next few months. Any role will be in the access to cashbook.com. But in there, there is a few things. There is a gift from when I used to be a court reporter. It's chapter two from my a manual that that is not really famous, but it's a manual that many people have purchased for. Uh, money-making systems manual is chapter two on productivity. And I learned that from, from the most amazing organized legal secretary when I was 20 years old. And I have just refined it and it's fantastic. That's for free in that. Wow. And, and, and we'll then, include that in the show notes so everybody can. Yeah. Okay. And also I have a list of resources and a list of recommended reading and I'm updating it. Again, you know, these things have to continuous improvement, right? And so now that is the the process of me contributing free education Mm. and and getting people ignited and and continue. And you can tell because we met in Clubhouse, right? You know that I love to just like 
bringing in just, if I can just get a few people to go, yes, that's my job. <laughs> that's beautiful. Did you ever help out Tony at any one of his events? Did he ask you to help? Of course. I actually did more than that. We promoted him at first. Oh. We put him on the airplanes. His first big audience were all money and you graduates. Um, and he came to teach at the business school and his team were all money and new graduates. And then I did many different things. I gave him the gift of one of my major games for money and you that he plays in, they play in uh, wealth mastery. And, um, and there were quite a few times when, of course I was organizing him, but one of the most fun things happened, I think in January of 1977, and uh, he was on Maui. I was on Maui. And somebody says, Tony's in town. And I went to visit him. He was so happy to see me. And he goes, want to run a lane with me? And I go, yeah. And it was the it was the handicap lane, which was the firewalks. And the handicap were walking on their hands because, you know, their, their feet didn't work. And we were literally, there were like 1500 people and the congas were going and it was really loud and just fun. And there was a full moon. It was just completely out of a movie. And then he turned around and smiled at me and he goes, just like old times, huh? <laughs> I go, yeah, just like old times. Cause we used to do that way before. And he was just so happy. So he, he knows me as DC Cordova, not Doria Cordova. And I am going to write a blog about the different things about him that are that we remember as a family mm. but for me this is what we call leverage just remember leverage leverage of purpose because he's not doing my work but he is doing my work yes but he's doing it his way uh you know like my old business partner for nine years robert kiyosaki who wrote the book rich dad poor dad his first that book, that first book was based on many of the things that he learned in Money and You from Buck Mr. Fuller. That's leverage. You know, people like Harv Ecker, he was a student of ours for seven years. Mm. Brad Sugar, Sebastian for Cole. seven years. No wonder, because he did, I went to all of his events. Um, Millionaire Mind, Guerrilla Business School. So wonderful. So he was like... Um, he kind of copied a little bit, never quite copied the essence of the spirit of it, uh-huh. even though people really got a lot out of it. Yeah, I, it's probably I not think, as good as yours. Well, we don't sell like that. Yeah. We don't we don't do that kind of selling. Mm-hmm. We are we're much more passive. We attract with love and, and with attraction. Whereas, you know, you can get a little bit over the top with being the best salesperson on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> There's more to life than that. I, I get it. So how did you get the title Dame and what is the meaning? I was actually knighted. And oh. I, yes. I actually been knighted by one of the oldest existing orders. It's called the Order of St. Uh, John. And he has a very long order. Um, and I probably could look it up, but I'm very expanded right now. And uh and um, I was invited in 2010, and uh, I just, well, at first I thought it was a joke, except the person who had said there was this beautiful human being, and I thought, this is so interesting, and it was on my birthday, uh, 
it was the ceremony, the uh, investiture was going to be in New York on my birthday. And I kind of went, oh, God, I, I don't think so. And I was talking to my spiritual mentor about it. And she says, what are you talking about? It's your birthday. It's your birthday present from the universe. Being knighted by an order of this caliber, don't you get it? And it was like, oh, I guess it is kind of groovy. It would be <laughs> kind of beautiful. But then what really got me was the fact that you had to write a list of all your humanitarian uh, endeavors. Mm. And I realized for myself that I had been a humanitarian from the time I was little. Oh, that's so beautiful. It was a realization that was quite beautiful. And then I mean, I tried to, like you deserved it at that point. Like you were worthy yes, of this title. I was worthy of it. And one of my first endeavor was bringing home a homeless little boy when I was six, five or six. And oh. I wanted a little brother and I was an only child. And and I, I just picked up on a little brother on the street, brought him home. And my family just freaked out. I cried for two weeks. Why couldn't I have a little brother? We have more than enough food. More, we have room for him. I want a brother. Why can't we have the little brother? It was very intense and it was very emotional when I started remembering that. And then all the things. And then as he picked up and all in college, and you know, I was cleaning, you know, people's houses that had died and they had no one. I remember that so vividly. We volunteer in my college, and uh, I remember going into this house with this woman, she had no relatives. She had lived there all alone and all her things were going to be donated. And I went into this drawers, this beautiful a drawer and it was full of the most gorgeous silk underwear. There was this slip that I picked up and it was like exquisite. I had never, cause I didn't grow up rich and she didn't look like she was rich, but it was the finest silk. And I remember looking at this and of course there were supervisors and other people were doing other rooms. And I went to the supervisor of this and I said, do you think I could take this? I, that's all I want. She says, you can take anything you want. She says, this is all being given away. She says, take all of the stuff in the drawers. And I said, oh no, no, I just want this one. And she goes, of course, take what you want. And I had that slip for years and years. But the sadness for me was that this woman, she had died all by herself and there was nobody to take all those things. Oh, wow. And I just thought, that's not going to happen to me. It's like, I am going to stay really friendly to everybody for the rest of my life because mm -hmm. I want to be able to give all my things to a bunch of people that I love. And so things like that. So when I got knighted, I realized that I already had, and you probably are a knight of the heart. I call them knights of the heart. And because when we have that desire to support, and I ended up actually, I was, November 14 is my birthday. I did more between then and the end of the year. And it was unconscious. Then I had done the whole year because now I had become you know, a knight. I am a, a dame, but I'm actually a knight. Mm -hmm. And I have, I am ruthless in certain environments. I, mm. I have been not kicked out, but not invited back out of real estate because Kiyosaki was my business partner and I knew his rich dads and all that. Uh -huh. And I, um, 
you know, and I, I will see this frenzy, especially during COVID in this real estate thing with all these people losing their home and they were flipping houses. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden it was just like, oh, and I go, excuse me, excuse me. But mm-hmm. don't you think that there shouldn't be so much glee People losing their homes. Yeah. People have a home. You were giving them a reality check. Oh, I was like, so I, later the organizer just says, we love you, but I don't think we can invite you back. And I go, (laughs) I got it. I said, but don't you think? And I did give them a solution. I -hmm. said, in San Diego, I said, during this time right now, if you can, if you have buildings and the city, because they picked up every homeless person in San Diego. I don't know if you know this, but a lot no, of cities- but I, I believe that because I used to live in LA and, and Santa Monica, they would like frequently move them places. I've heard that. In San Diego, they didn't know what COVID was, right? So all the homeless were picked up and taken places. There was a huge movement. So they were- they, Oh, it they was went- only during COVID. It was during COVID. And then, and so there would be people that had real estate and the city would lease it for them from them or buy it from them. And they made a lot of money in real estate, but they were housing the homeless. So I said, look, if you're interested in money, I understand because, you know, I do the recovery, the magical recovery exercises, which you must put a link for your people there. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. So the magical recovery exercises are about, you know, building your deservability. You know, it's about the three stages of money. Are you in the process of making it, keeping it or growing it? And so there's ways for you to be in real estate in any other field where you can prosper so much, but do good. So I bring that consciousness to just about every area. Well, that's amazing. And then you're also a global business developer. What businesses do you support? Oh my God, I'm in so boards. Many. I mean, I am- um, Like you serve on their boards as an advisor? Yes, I do. I Sometimes I'm not even on the boards. I, I don't accept too many. Okay. Um, but if you go and you go to meetdoria.com, you will see the different organizations. But you know, one of the ones I'm very happy, but she's going through a name change right now is Touchpoint which my beautiful friend, Michelle Patterson. So I we kind of become a mentor to them and how to grow it, you know, big and, and, and internationally. But you could even say that even with a Tony Robbins, I, you know, I connected him with the people that ended up taking him, you know, to Singapore and then later all over Asia Pacific mm. uh, um, um, with uh Jay Abraham, one of the most magnificent marketing masters. We first took him to Singapore in 1995 and opened up that industry. So I, what I do is with different people and there's too many to mention. Yeah. I open up the world for them and, and it's a win-win and sometimes it's profitable for me. Sometimes I just do it. So I am definitely a business developer. Yeah. That's incredible. You attract them now. Uh, tell me a little bit about Honoponopono. How did you discover this? Did you meet a master or something? I met a practitioner, my friend, Eric Smith. He was a very good friend. He's still a good friend. I just don't see him very often. We're all so busy. And, um, and I had 
a thing that happened to me when I came back from physically meeting uh, Fidel Castro at the height of the Cold War. And you know who he is, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, I had this incident that occurred, and it's another very long story. And I knew he had this thing called Ho'oponopono. And when I fell down, and I it was the middle of the night, and I almost got killed, he... It, it saved me. He was the one that saved me. And I just hit wow. my face really hard. If you were to see me, I don't know if you can see. If you were to see, I actually have a little dent there. Yeah. That's that's my dark side fight. The last one I ever had with the dark side. I <laughs> I only stay in the light. And um, he began to do Ho'oponopono while he talked me into going to the doctor mm-hmm. and um, into the emergency. And I didn't want to go. And he just says, you don't understand. If you don't go, your face will be deformed. Uh-huh. So we have to go. And he kept doing Ho'oponopono. He was doing the prayers and the saints and things. And then, you know, I kind of listened to him and he did more Ho'oponopono around me. He was cleansing everything. And, and then one day he just called me up. He says, more Nacimeones in Los Angeles. Let's go. You, you want to do this three-day training with her. And she was the Hawaiian kahuna mm. that had had taken this beautiful Hawaiian um, tradition when families get together and they do a they do ho'oponopono, which means to make things right. And it's like a clearing, but it's more than that. It's a it's a beautiful tradition of the Hawaiians, and they do ho'oponopono where they clear, they talk, they talk things out, and they do make things right. And when I did the, the program it was so profound and I just began to practice it. She passed away in 1992. You know, I would practice it, do it in different things. And then when COVID came in, I began to do it more and more often because people were so afraid, um, you know, and the magical recovery exercises. I was doing whatever I could to support my, my, um, my worldwide network. And then just people just wanted me to continue doing them. And the prayer is about cutting cords and clearing uh, resentments, upsets, hurts, and things that whether we have offended others or others have offended us and we just cut the cords and bring us in alignment with the inner family, the inner father, the amakua, the inner mother, the uhane, and the inner child the unihipili, that's the subconscious, unconscious. The mother is the conscious and the father is the great spirit, the I. And we just get that aligned. And it you must go to fridayswithdoria.com, sign up for any program, and you will be notified when I do them once or twice a month now. Yes, and you must go to one of these Honoponopono trainings, you call them. They, well, actually, they're just prayers. Prayers. It's a prayer, and it is an incredible experience. You will feel a difference. So, I highly recommend it. So, I know you have um, exercises on building people's deservability. So, why do you feel like it's important to feel like you deserve to be wealthy? Well, maybe not so much just to be wealthy, but just to deserve the basics of life. 
Okay. Not everybody this, wants to be wealthy. Yes, Not everybody wants to be financially independent, even though in my mind, mm-hmm. why would you not want to be financially independent? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's deservability. Yeah. They don't feel like they, they're ever going to reach it. They don't feel like they deserve it. And they don't know how to do that. So when you begin to, to clear yourself, see, the most powerful people, look, we are all powerful. All of us, we are all powerful. And the most effective, productive people on the planet are people that use tools in order to create results in their lives. But we are hypnotized into living in scarcity, Mm. living in poverty, living from paycheck to paycheck. It's not taught in schools. You know, it's not, we're not trained our consciousness, our mindset, none of that work. There is this, all this education that we provide for free. And if people don't apply it and create a good life for themselves, there's a deservability issue. Mm, I and see. you need to that know that. Sense. That makes sense. Do you ever see private clients and help them with their money wounds? Can you, can you see that they have blocks and apply any of these tools? I used to. Oh, you used to. But I'm too expensive now. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I do. I do see private clients, but usually they are they they have they have deservability that you if you were to look at their lives, you would say they don't have any challenges. Where they're going to go to the next level, the next level. Yeah. So I'm a little bit too expensive. So instead of, and I'm busy. So I believe in leverage. Yeah. So I'd rather. See, once you create an economic engine that gives you the freedom for you to live your life freely for the rest of your life, things really change. Mm. It's like the game is completely different. You do whatever you want. And that's one of the reasons people say, well, you know, all these people have these masterminds that cost $100,000, $200,000 a year. Why don't you have one of those? Because I love my freedom. Uh. I can change my schedule I can cancel everything whenever I feel like it. And I do feel like it a lot. Mm. So my team is used to it. So everything is like, so, you know, there's times when I don't do Fridays with Doria for a month and a half. Mm -hmm. I just don't feel like it. And it's not that I don't have an obligation. It's something. So I love freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your value? Values. What's your value? Like, what is your number one value? Uh, I would say love. Okay. What's another one? Health. Okay. Now, just so you know, you are love. So mm-hmm. I we're going to have to put health. You are love. So yes, we that's a value. Uh-huh. And you probably want to say expressing love is a value, right? Ooh, expressing love. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because you are love. I'm love. Everyone is love. Except okay. some of them don't know it, right? <laughs> yeah. So if your value is health, your number one value is health, then once you realize that, then you are going to navigate around that. Mine is freedom. Mm. And I have always been into freedom. I remember my first bicycle. I had my little skates, but oh, that bicycle. I used to ride my bicycle with skates. I used to throw the bicycle down and fly out with my skates. I was famous for that. When I got that first bicycle and I took that first ride, 
I died and went to heaven because I felt like I could go anywhere and I was only seven years old. Yeah. Right? So everything in my life has to be around freedom. Mm, so financial freedom was a, a no-brainer for me. I see. But I didn't want to have to have to work or to do whatever I want, I needed to do in order to have finances handled. So that's very important for people to know what their values are. I see. So if your value is freedom and you're stuck in the freeway every day, you are going to want to jump off a bridge. Yeah, that's a good point. So they have to tune into that. So, so since you're using leverage, you're not doing as much one-on-one. -on -one. Let's talk about your next event, uh, Money and You, correct? You have yeah. one coming up? Well, Money and You is only uh, presented twice in America. Okay. Because that's all leverage. It's licensing model, having your own business model. That's why I want them to go to moneyandyou.com and download the business success model. Because mm -hmm. you want to create a business model for your business or if you want to be part of somebody else's business. So my, my programs are licensed, but I like them in the United States. They're all in the Asia Pacific region. And, uh, and I'm building teams in America for Spanish. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is where we get to practice. So twice a year, I put on a three and a half day program, my signature program that I've been doing since 1979. And I hire beautiful people to train them. I am not the leader. I'm not the trainer. I sit in the back and have fun. Leverage, leverage, leverage. All right. And my instructors love it. They love it, love it, love it. And for three and a half days, people have an opportunity to immerse themselves, to begin to move from scarcity to sufficiency, but also learn business entrepreneurship, but also open up their global markets because there's people from all over the world in the room and the participants, the people in logistics, the staff, and the, the graduates who get to come back for free anytime they want. And they sit on the back. It's an amazing environment to create contacts, networks. We have a, a table called the network table where you can put your, all your cards, you know, little flyers if you bring them. And, um, and you have an opportunity to be able to connect. So Money and You um, is one of the most profound programs and all the big boys and girls have taken it. Wow. Jack yeah. Canfield, Mark Victor Hanson, Ben Cohen of Ben and Jerry's, Paul Mitchell, who sadly passed away in 1989. Mm -hmm. He was, um, but Paul DiGioria was his partner and continued with the work. Mm -hmm. Then later, Angus Mitchell, his son, came to do mm -hmm. Money and You and Put him on the right path. He was a young billionaire. Yeah. I, I, met lost Paul DeGario. I met Paul DeGario at a Richard Branson fundraiser. Yeah. In Beverly Hills. Yeah. He's beautiful. He's yeah. a very beautiful man. I yeah. met him. That's nice. So all these big names. and yeah. But those are the famous ones. Then there was a lot of people that have done it that are magnificent yeah. human beings. That That's just so incredible. And kudos to you. It's using leverage and having all these amazing people that are just sprinkling like their abundance and transformation everywhere. So what's next for you? I am going to be publishing the book, Access to Cash. Oh, and wow. my next thing is developing the Doria Cordova Foundation. I am 
supporting organizing 100 billionaires to each contribute 1 billion to finally, once and for all, eradicate hunger from the planet and be able to sustain it. So I keep working on connecting. I'm an amazing connector. You are. And so I'm working on connecting the right people and I'm chasing. If you know Mackenzie Scott, if she's your cousin, please connect with me, info at moneyandyou.com. I want to meet her, give her the idea and she can run with it. And we'll finally eradicate hunger. And then I can go back to being a party girl. <laughs> right? You could do it at the same time. You can party on your way. <laughs> no, I can't. For your journey. No, okay. I have to be sober for this. I haven't drank since 1988. Yeah. And I tell all my friends, I'm going to go back to partying as soon as hunger is over. <laughs> you know what? You can party and not drink alcohol. That's me. I haven't. I know, me too. You know, I have a great time. I think I, it's even more fun because you're awake. You know, it's like. I don't want to miss a thing. Um, but so let's talk about Zen success. What is Zen success to you? It's going with the flow. It's following your heart, following your following your your number one, two, three values is really identifying what makes your heart sing. But here before we finish, I must say. Zen success is answering this question, which if you go to my Facebook under DC Cordova, you can download it. It's on the top there. It's in many of my sites. This is a Buckminster Fuller question. How do we make the world work for 100% of humanity in the shortest possible time with through spontaneous cooperation without any ecological offense, nor the disadvantage of anyone. When you answer that question with a product or service or program, you will have a Zen business. Wow, that is profound. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you and your spirit and hearing about your upcoming event for Money and You. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. Everyone must attend. And good luck to you. Much Zen success on your journey of finding 100 billionaires to donate a billion. Money and You will change your life. Yes, if you want to change your no life. No matter you are, well, no matter where you are, it will expand it. If you absolutely adore your life, it will expand what you're doing. If you're not liking your life right now, it will give you a lot of solutions, a lot of contacts. And if you're just an entrepreneur that just wants to have a bigger business, it's fantastic. If you're a student, this is the place to learn entrepreneurship. And if you're mega rich, this is the place for you to meet a whole bunch of other mega rich we can introduce you to, particularly in the Asia Pacific region. Thank you so much, Doria. Have a blessed day. Aloha. To learn more about the upcoming Money and You event, go to the show notes for Zen Success. Enjoy. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Zen Success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. 
Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen success journey and join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen success in life.